Well, it's good to be in church. It's good to... Uh, beautiful day out there, but uh, nowhere else would rather be than starting in church. Um, and we are continuing on with our We Are series. Two more weeks left. I cannot believe we start our Christmas series in three weeks. But... Uh, Today I'm bringing the third segment of where we're focusing on light. And uh, we've had Graham speak about how darkness expels, uh, I mean light expels the darkness. And Pam talked about getting brighter and brighter. And today I want to talk about um, the role the Holy Spirit plays in shining our light. Uh, the other week, I had the privilege of attending Matty Collo's wedding. Some of you will know him from the years he was with us here. And uh, it was a lovely day, but I also had the privilege of travelling down with Claire Collo. And that was great. Um, I was reminded in the car how much energy kids have and how they do want the iPad. And, uh, but we were chatting away and that was great and we were enjoying our trip. And Claire just said this offhanded comment where she goes, Oh, I need to get petrol on the way home. Great. I'm terrible with directions, but I know that we're about an hour and 10 minutes out of Newcastle and we had to take the freeway. I don't know where we went, but we went somewhere. And we needed petrol to get home. Uh, It had been a long day when the wedding finally came to an end. Fatigue levels were high with the pack-up team. You can read into that however you want. Uh, And it began to rain. So we really just wanted to pack up the day and get home and that kind of thing. And so packed up, boys, the groomsmen got in their minibus and they headed off. And Claire, myself and Peyton jumped in the car and followed them. We're uh, on the way home. Peyton's got a blanket, so she's sleeping. Um, But we're just chatting away, just chat, 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 chat past the servo. And uh, if you know the the freeway, the twin servos are your only hope. And uh, we just chatted ourselves past those. And, um, and then we just hear this ding. And I went, oh, what's that, Claire? She goes, um, we forgot to get petrol. <laughs> oh, we did, did we, Claire? We forgot. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I said, how much, how much petrol we got, Claire? Oh, it's saying about 28 kilometres. Good. Good. Turn off the air con, trying to save fuel. I don't know if that works. I read it somewhere. Um, it does? Does that work? Yeah, good. Uh, anyway, and so I start Googling how far is it to Walls End Servos, and we're about six litres shy of getting there. And uh, we, we begin to panic. Uh, we're like, don't call the boys. They're fatigued. Um, and uh, don't. They'll think we're idiots. Um, just drive as far as we possibly can. It's better to walk six or so k's on the, on the freeway than just pull over, right? So we just keep driving, hoping that we get there. And all of a sudden, we see a sign. It says three kilometres, food, fuel, 24 hours. We took that as a literal sign. And so we pulled off the freeway into the darkness and just drove in bush. Claire and I and Peyton just... We were on about 18 kilometres of fuel by then and we're driving and driving and driving and then we see a servo closed. (laughs) And I'm not lying, when we begin to panic, I think I said, we're going to die out here, Claire. (laughs) And then into the left there was this light shining and there was a shell servo 
looked like it was out of horror, horror film, but it was what we needed. It did the job and we're here to tell the story. We got home and the boys are like, where have you guys been? We're like, oh, nowhere, just taking our time. Um, but how great that cars tell us when we're low on fuel. What a great invention. How I wish the Spirit would do that also when we're low on fuel for shining our light. And I think the women in uh, this parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 25 agree with me. It would be great to have a dinger for when the oil is getting low for our lamp. Uh, In Matthew 25, we find the parable of the ten virgins. It's a passage that Jesus is describing his return This morning, it's not an apocalyptic message or I'm not trying to uh, teach you about the second coming, but I do want to speak about the state of our heart while we're waiting because Jesus is coming back and it's good news. It's great news, but you and I have a job to do in the meantime. And uh, because it's a parable, it's Jesus is trying to teach something. They weren't real people. It was a story. It was trying to teach something to the people that were listening And he's talking about when he will return. And you might say, yeah, but like 2,000 years ago, Jesus said he was coming back soon. It's it's been soon for a long time. But I kind of think in his defense, uh, when you're the beginning and the end of time, anything less than eternity kind of sounds soon. And so he is coming and we need to expect that. And so as we read this passage, remember it's a parable. It's a story to teach us. And Jesus would want us to question, where do I fit in this story? Who who do I relate to in this story? Where do I stand? Uh, Little hint, you're not the bridegroom. That's Jesus. Uh, But you can choose between the other characters in the story, between the wise women and the foolish women. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew 25 and take a look at that this morning. The parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, give give me some of your oil. Our lamps are going to go out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. And instead, go and sell. Go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door, let us in. But he replied, truly, I I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. A sombering piece of scripture. Uh, But there's five things I want to pull out of this passage. Um, I'm thinking over that word. I think I was meant to say somber or sobering, but I put them together and so I couldn't get past it until I said that to you. Uh, Sombering. Um, 
Sorry. I thought that was the wrong word, Jess. Anyway, five things I want to pull out in this passage. And because it's a parable, it's a teaching part of the Bible. And so this morning, I just got, I'm just going to teach to you. If you're someone who gets distracted easily, maybe pass your phone to somebody else and go, for a few minutes, I just want to listen. I just want to be taught. If, if you need a notepad or pen, get that out and stay focused because there's five things that we're going to pull out of this passage. And the first one is this. It's your lamp. In Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others. Each woman had a lamp. And it was their lamp. It was their responsibility to shine. It was theirs to put the oil in and keep it full. They couldn't share with anybody else. They couldn't stand next to the other and think, I'm with her. You have a lamp. It's your lamp. It's your light to shine. Jesus was placing the responsibility on each believer to steward what he had given them. And the way that this piece of uh, scripture is structured, it's nestled in between two other parables, which kind of tells us it's coming in threes, these parables of what he's really trying to get across. The parable that comes straight after is about the the, um, parable of the talents where the master gives out um, gold to three servants, three bags to one, two bags to the other, and one to the other. And he goes away for a time, and when he comes back, he says, what did you do with what I gave you? The first two were very happy with themselves when they said, look, I did this, and I did that, I invested, I multiplied, I did good with what you gave me. When the third one said, actually, I just buried it in the ground, just safe. And the master looks at him and goes, you wicked servant. And I I know that's a harsh word, wicked, but I kind of feel it applies to us if we have a light and we decide to bury it. When the darkness is calling out for something to shine and bring way and hope and light and love and we bury it. The one that comes before it is a, a parable how Jesus is talking about who would take over the kitchen, the servants in that, a service place in the house. And it says in Matthew 24, 45 to 47, it says, who here qualifies for the job of overseeing a kitchen? Not me. But a person the master can depend on to feed the workers on time each day. Someone the master can drop in on unannounced and always find him doing his job. A God-blessed man or woman, I tell you. It will not be long before the master will put this person in charge of the whole operation. But if that person only looks out for themselves, and the minute the master is away, does whatever he pleases, abusing the help, throwing drunken parties for his friends, the master's going to go show up when he least expects it and and make hash of him. He'll end up in the dump with the hypocrites, out in the cold, shivering, teeth chattering. Three different parables going, Jesus is trying to say, hey, I've given you something. And it's a free gift and it's a good gift. But it's a gift that needs to be used. Light is useless if it doesn't shine. What's the point? And he says that you and I are light. The church is light because Jesus himself was light. In John 16, 14, it says, whatever Jesus had, the Holy Spirit is now given to us. How great. 
But in Romans 14, 12, it says this, so each of us will have to give an account of ourselves to God. Our wealth teachers and preachers and mentors and discipleships and life groups and all those things are wonderful. You will not have the light by association. You only shine your light because it's your light to shine. Yeah, it gets stronger when you stand together, but it's your light. And 2 Timothy 1.14 says, Guard this precious thing that's placed in your custody by the Holy Spirit who works in us. Guard it. Live in a way that guards the light that you shine. Second thing is this, that the Holy Spirit is the fuel. After the point that I just made, you can, you can breathe a sigh of relief because it's not you that you depend on to shine. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the fuel to the light. It says in the Bible, he is the helper, the comforter. He guides. He illuminates. He is the protector. He, he is everything that we need. Everything we saw in Jesus is in the Holy Spirit. Everything that we could imagine Jesus or God to be like is in the Holy Spirit. He's not there to rouse on us all the time. He is the fuel that, that flames the fire that brings flame to the fire. He is, he is the thing that you need to put in your lamp so that you can shine. Ezekiel 36, 27 says that, I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commandments. It's not up to us. What our responsibility is, is to build a relationship with him. He will guide. He will bring insight. He will bring wisdom. He will light the path. What a devastating thing to hear in verse 12 in Matthew 25. Uh, in the Amplified Version, it says it like this, that the, gr- the bridegroom turned around and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I don't know you, we have no relationship. What we need to do to be the light that we're talking about is to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And how do we do this? A little thing called prayer. Sounds like a religious word, but all it means is a conversation. That there would be an open conversation between you and the Holy Spirit constantly. That you would get to know him. It's not because it's a ticker box prayer. Got to pray. Did you pray today? Pray because your life and your light depends on it. Otherwise, you just make decisions out of your experience or your own wisdom. But with the Holy Spirit, you make supernatural decisions. You, you, uh, uh, you have insight into things where you think, how did I know that? He'll give you words to speak. He'll tell you stop. He'll tell you go. He'll warn you. Open that conversation through prayer in the Holy Spirit. Second thing you can do to cultivate this relationship is to read. Again, not because the church tells you to but because you discover what Jesus is like. You begin to understand the nature of God. You see the story of creation and and you see it outworked. God in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, Holy Spirit in the church now. You begin to have a big view of how God is moving now and throughout history and how he'll work in the future. You understand who he is when you read about him. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is he'll leap things off the page that you thought, I've read that a thousand times and nothing's ever happened. But when you need it, he'll illuminate the word of God and bring it alive to you. 
Another way that you uh, can cultivate the fellowship with the Holy Spirit is just be still. It says, be still and know that I am God. What did the bridegroom say? I don't know you. Be still enough to begin to know him. That you could just trust that he is who he says he is. He's good like it says he's good. These are just three things that you can practically start doing in your day to begin to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit so your light will not be out of your own strength, but it would come out of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Is it good? Very quiet. All right, third thing, I'll move quick, is this. Do not mistake work for light. Don't mistake work for light. Or in other words, don't mistake activity for transformation. We see in this story, all 10 women were in the same place, right? All 10 women were doing the same job. All 10 women carried a lamp. They all were there waiting for the bridegroom. From anyone on the outside, it would have like, yeah, those 10 women are doing the exact same thing, but five of them had oil and five did not. It is easy for us to look around at other Christians and go, they're doing that kind of serving thing. I'm doing that kind of serving thing, so it's all okay. Don't mistake work for a light that you're shining. Don't mistake Bible study or life group or churchy work or going to church or serving on teams for that being light. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just religion and just service and just trying to work your way to God. But if it's done out of a response to the beautiful love of Jesus and done through the Holy Spirit, it's different. Could look very the same on the outside, but there's a different thing happening in the spirit realm when you use the Holy Spirit rather than just your effort. Shining, I said it before, does not come just by association. I'm on the preaching team, so I must be doing all right. It doesn't. I could just be activating a gift of public speaking, but unless I do it through the Holy Spirit, your heart will remain the same. It's only the Holy Spirit that can change words and prepared sermons into things that change people's lives and bring revelation. It's not anybody on the stage. A job does not count as shining. Something done in response to God and obedience through the Holy Spirit enables your actions to shine. Because activity alone, void of the Holy Spirit, this is what it produces. Tiredness, competition, offended spirits, pride and burnout. Watch someone long enough to try and serve God without the Holy Spirit. Just too much. But activity or work or service fueled by, the, by a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit will produce fruit that represents the light that you're shining. This is how Galatians 5.22 puts it. The result of his presence within us. I love that. Because of the Holy Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience. This is great. Not the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what happens Not just activity, but transformation. Because the Holy Spirit, the more you're with him, the more you love him and the more you want to become like him. 
He just brings out things in you. He'll change things around in your spirit. And uh, you'll begin to see these fruits. Fourth thing, it's a question. Um, Do you obstruct or enhance the light? When the lamps of the five women who had no oil went out, they kind of would have just got in the way of the light. The bridegroom, the bridegroom was waiting to see the lights because this is Jewish culture that uh, the bride would have what we would call the bridesmaids and they would stand outside with their lamps and they would light the way for the bridegroom to come and see the bride. And that's where festivities and things would happen and a few days later they'd go to the bridegroom's place. But the, the women's job was to light the way for the bridegroom to come and see his bride. And for when the five lamps went out, they kind of would have just got in the way. Like, can you move out of the way? You're, my light, he can't see my light. They just get in the way. And so it's good to question, do you obstruct or enhance the light when, when the world looks at the church? Imagine this. <clears throat> You're sitting in a room with friends, enjoying a beautiful dinner party. A lot of effort has gone into this. It means a lot to the host. And suddenly the power goes out. Okay, great. Then imagine you begin telling everybody, don't worry, I have a light in my bag. Great, that's great. Oh yeah, it's the best light ever. It will, if I turn it on, all the darkness flees. Great, yeah. And I actually go to light shining classes each week and there's a bunch of us and we all shine our lights when we get together. It's just in my bag. It's just in my bag great. Oh, actually, we've got a big event coming up in a few weeks where they're going to shine the light there. I've got a flyer. Do you want to come see it? If I was at that dinner party and my, my food was getting cold and someone's yucking on about, I've got a light and they're not using it, I'd be very annoyed. I like eating. I like dinner parties. I do not like liars. And I think the world looks at us sometimes while we're shouting, hey, there's forgiveness over here, just over here. We'll put an event on, you can come see it. There's unconditional love, but not for you. And we kind of shout out that there's a light over here and it's changed everything and the light's, and it's expelling the darkness and it's bringing hope. But what they really need is for us to just come into the darkness and go, here, let me show you. Because the world is watching the church. And I wonder what our voices are. I scroll through social media and think, oh, please, you're not helping. Just love. Can our voice be the, the loudest voice of love that could possibly be heard? Could our voice be the one that trumps all the things that are saying you're not accepted and you're out and we don't care about you and this policy and that and just shout love And shine it to the dark world because they're watching. What are you going to do, church? You say you're the ones who have the answer. Please show us. It's like if you imagine a bonfire and you're a bit away and there's people circling the bonfire. When you're away, you could tell, yeah, there's light coming over there, but everyone's kind of in the way. Those people could shout back and go, it's so warm over here. I love this fire. You should see it. 
But unless you get out of the way, they can't see it. We are not meant to obstruct the light. We are meant to reflect Jesus. We're meant to shine through it. And it's not calling for our perfection. It's calling for our obedience. Perfect people is not what he's after. He's after people who go, yes, God. Yes, Father. I'll choose that because that's what you want me to. I've been, I've been praying and I really feel that this is where I need to go. I've been reading and I've understood that this is your nature. Let's be people who completely enhance the light, reflecting the sun. Philippians 2.14 says this, Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. Provide people with that. Carry the light-giving message into the night so, they'll have good, so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on that day when Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Ephesians 5.8 says this, Once you're in darkness, but now as Christians you are light. Live then as children of light. Yes, we're a work in progress, but let's shine where we can. Let's shine Jesus where we can. The light produces in all men all that is good and right and true. Let your lives be living proofs of the things which please God. Steer clear of the fruitless activities of darkness and let your lives expose their futility. I wonder if you're still asking that question, which one am I, God? And allow the Holy Spirit this morning to reveal areas where you may be obstructing the light. And my, uh, my advice is to just repent and say, sorry, Lord, I was kind of doing what I wanted to do there, but really just show me the way. It's that simple that every day you would go, show me the way, Holy Spirit, and give me the courage and strength to obey. The last one is this, the light makes way for Jesus. When you turn on a flashlight... Uh, you don't turn it on so you can look at the bulb. (laughs) I love this flashlight. It's great. Look at that bulb in there. You don't do that. You turn on the flashlight to illuminate an object or a way. You and I shining is not about us. It's about illuminating Jesus. We're not turning it on so, hey, look at all the gifts I'm using. Look at what the church is, uh, how good we are. It's look how good Jesus is. Oh, look, if you're looking at me, uh, my torch is kind of crumbled and kind of still out of whack a bit and the Holy Spirit's shaping that up. But don't worry, I'm shining the light on Jesus. He is the way that you need to follow. He is the good and perfect servant in which we need to follow. And Jesus... When you light the way for Jesus, he's good. Jesus is good. He's beautiful. There is nothing in him that you need to fear. When you look in his eyes, it's filled with compassion. And contrary to what you might believe, when you sin, he is not repulsed by you. His compassion and empathy draws him towards you to go, come on, come back. That's going to hurt you. He is so strong. We sang it this morning. He is the lion. He is so strong that whenever you're with him, you don't need to fear. But he's like the lamb. He's so gentle that whenever you're with him, you never have to fear if he'll hurt you. Jesus is beautiful. 
Jesus is the light of the world in which we get the honor. It is not a burden to bear. It's an honor to carry that we would be partakers in the light that shows the world Jesus Christ. Jesus, he's beautiful. And he's entrusted you and I with full faith and full confidence because we're his only plan We are plan A to carry the light in the world, but he has trusted us as light bearers in this time in history. We'll all be dead in 100 years and there'll be a new generation who gets to carry the light. I pray we carry it well. I pray that we inspire the next generation to carry it with such vigor and such passion. Michael Reeves, this book that I keep referring to all the time, It's amazing, but he talks about this. He talks about Jesus. He said, he was lifted up on the cross. He was lifted up from the grave and he was lifted up to the throne. And oh, how it lifts our eyes. In the mundaneness of life, in failure, in sadness and in pain, we look up and find the deepest consolation. There on the throne is death-crushing compassion and royal liberation, our friend, our priest, our king. The more we look, the more we look, church, the more our hearts belong there. And the more we want him known, and the more we long for his return. Jesus coming back is not something that we need to be fearful of. The women waiting outside were eagerly waiting his arrival. When you discover who Jesus is, the beauty of Jesus when you fellowship with him, you too would be eagerly awaiting his arrival. He's wonderful. And you and I get to be the people in this generation who say, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, how wonderful he is. How beautiful he is. That's what we get to do, church. We each have a lamp. It's your lamp. It's your light. The Holy Spirit is exactly what you need. There is nothing lacking in him for you to shine. We're not just going to work because we think that's going to get us to God. He has already accepted us. But let us work and shine in response to the love of Jesus. Let us be a church who enhances, not just stands in the way. But let all of our life, every bit of our, every decision, every action, let us be the one who go, look, how beautiful, how wonderful and how lovely he is. Amen. As the band comes, let me pray for you. How about we stand? Jesus, you are a good God. And I want to speak against any lie that is spoken about you in any other way. You're good, you're kind, you're faithful, you're compassionate, you long to be with us. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just spark a fire within us today. Let us be passionately in love with Jesus. Clear the clutter, God. 
that we so easily just stack up in our spiritual lives, in our physical lives, clear the way that we would be light bearers for this generation, that when the world is crying out this week, show us the light, church, that we would respond and go, there he is, there he is, he's good. Give us that sweet anointing to do that. Give us wisdom when to speak and wisdom when to withhold. Let us be gracious in our conversations that we would not argue or try and debate your existence, but Lord, let us shine that no one could deny how good you are. You're good and we love you. We want to serve you with our whole hearts. Holy Spirit, release something in us today that lets us burn brighter than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.